Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted Social Distancing Style from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you from remote locations. Actually, I am in the studio at 1265 here at Lambeau Field. Wes is still in the bonus room above his garage. But Wes, you will be coming here in a couple of days because the Packers will have their first practice of training camp on Saturday. So in looking ahead to that, let's just uh, throw it back and forth a little bit in terms of the position battles, the things that you're going to have your eye on here as training camp begins. Start on the offensive side. What are you going to be watching for? Well, there's a lot I'm going to be watching for. But first and foremost, Mike, I have to say, I wrote it in Insider Inbox for Thursday. We are talking about practice, and I've never been happier about it. I mean, this is it, yeah. it's funny how a lot of times you get to that first preseason game, you're like, man, we just got to see a preseason game. I just need to see a practice at this point. I just got to see these guys up close uh, actually get to appreciate what they are physically and what they can do during a team period or a one-on-one drill if you're an offensive lineman. We are far overdue for being able to see that type of work and, and seeing exactly where these guys are at. Now, all that being said, offensively, this is just the biggest wide open competition that I can recall, Mike. You've been you know, doing this probably about twice as long as I have now, but in my nine years, I can't think of, it, as far as the skill positions, just a battle at basically every spot, whether it be tight end, running back or receiver. Now, certainly receiver's the one that's going to get the most eyeballs this summer, mm-hmm. and rightfully so. You want to see improvement there. You need guys to take that next step. Now you bring in Malik Turner into that competition, 11, 12 guys that are all going to be battling this thing out. And then, by the way, you're going to have two or three spots on that 16-man practice squad as well that some of those guys that maybe aren't going to push Devontae Adams for a starting spot – it's, it is imperative for them to show enough during these four weeks for them to get that extended look with this team. As Brian Gutekunst said earlier this week, the practice squad is going to be as important as it's ever been for the Packers. Tight end, you have Mercedes Lewis. Everybody knows what he does. He does his job really well. But who's going to be that playmaker that steps up beyond him? Your Jay Sternberger has re- received a lot of pub this offseason. Robert Tanyan, kind of the forgotten guy. But you think about it, Mike, he made arguably his best catch as a Packer at the time in which he got injured last year. And then right. Josiah DeGuara, you know, arguably one of the biggest question marks in terms of what he's going to do on the field uh, for the Packers and where exactly he's going to line up. Running back everything, Mike. There's just so many jobs that are going to be up for grabs, so many roles that need to be carved out. And I can't remember a time in which it's just been this wide open for who are going to be those 11 people that start when you look at that game against Minnesota next month. Yeah, it is interesting when you look at the skill positions for the Packers, because it does seem rather clear who the number one guy is at each position. You have Devontae Adams, you have Aaron Jones, And in terms of experience and longevity, you have Mercedes Lewis at tight end. But at those three positions, starting with the number two spot at all of those in all of those areas, there's some uncertainty. You don't really know exactly how this is going to shake out. Now, I would think Alan Lazard would have the inside track to the number two receiver spot behind Adams. You would think Jamal Williams would stay the number two running back as he's been behind Aaron Jones. But you have A.J. Dillon, a young second-round draft pick being brought in without the offseason, the normal offseason that rookies have. How quickly can you get a rookie up to speed and potentially contributing in this offense? Same goes at tight end with Josiah DeGuara, as you mentioned. You have Jay Sternberger, Robert Tanyan, but they didn't draft DeGuara to sit on the bench. So uh, 
but he, you know, these rookies, they, they need some time to get, to get into things. So are the rookies going to make a bigger impact, say, come November and December, potentially, rather than in September and October? We just don't know how that's going to shake itself out. Now, the other thing I will say, too, is there's going to be a lot of interest on the Packers' offensive line, at least certainly in the early days of training camp, because Matt LaFleur, in his media sessions throughout the offseason and in these early stages of camp, he is not committed to a starting five. He hasn't gone on record saying, okay, Brian Balaga is gone, Rick Wagner's been signed, and he's stepping in at right tackle, and everything else is staying the same. He hasn't said that. Now, it could happen that way, and that would be the most seamless way to transition from 2019 to 2020 at this point. But we really don't know. Is Billy Turner going to compete with Rick Wagner at right tackle? Is Lane Taylor going to compete for a starting spot at guard, possibly with Billy Turner? So there are some questions there in terms of exactly what the plans are for the coaching staff and how much competition there will be at certain spots. I think it is safe to say David Bakhtiari will be at left tackle, Elton Jenkins will be at left guard, and Corey Lindsley will be at center. But the right side of that offensive line, it's still kind of wait and see for now. Yeah, and if you remember, Mike, this is exactly what Mac LaFleur did last season, uh, last summer with training camp. A lot of questions were asked about, okay, is Lane Taylor uh, going to be your starting left guard? And he left it open. He was going to give Elton Jenkins an opportunity to compete for that spot, and even through training camp, and even in a little bit into the regular season, was still giving him some reps there, and then obviously disaster strikes, and you have Lane end up tearing his biceps, and then next thing you know, Jenkins is starting 14 games. So things can turn on a dime on you. The one thing I think is really interesting about this group the Packers have put together on offense, though, is it is arguably the deepest that I can remember them being at a lot of these positions. Uh, it isn't just, okay, Devontae Adams, Jordy Nelson, and Randall Cobb. Now, that's a really good trio to have, but there were some years there where if one of those guys went down, you really didn't know who the next guy was going to be to slide in there. Sure. Uh, there's a lot of interchangeability right now with these parts. You look at the tight ends. They're built all the very similarly. So – where this thing ends up shuffling out, I don't know if it's going to be your typical, okay, well, you know you're going to start this tight end and he's going to play 40 or 50 snaps. It could be a lot different. Uh, you could see these guys get 20 here, 20 there, depending on who earns the playing time. And then, by the way, you get a guy like John Lovett now coming in. Maybe they still keep a fullback. Maybe they have that position in that backfield as well. So many different things that because we haven't seen any offseason program practices, because we haven't seen any training camp practices at the point that you and I are taping this, you just really don't know. All you know is if I'm Matt LaFleur and I'm looking at that room and I'm getting ready for Saturday morning's practice, I am excited to see all these guys finally get to work and see who really starts to shine. Yeah, and I think shifting gears to the defensive side of the ball, I don't know if there's quite as much that needs to shake out in terms of uh, the guys we're going to see on the field regularly in this defense. We've talked a lot about how Rashawn Gary is certainly going to have a larger role at outside linebacker, the first round pick from a year ago, and how he the snaps that he gets may um, you know, lighten the workload for the Smiths at those outside linebacker spots, or maybe Mike Pettin's going to have some packages where all three of those guys are on the field at the same time. Those are the kinds of things we will see as camp in the early stages of the, of stages of the regular season roll along. In the secondary, 
I think it's pretty clear that Jair Alexander, Kevin King, and probably Chandon Sullivan as your number three, those are your top cornerbacks. Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage are your top two safeties. I don't, you know, barring an injury or something unexpected, I don't necessarily see any of that changing. We'll see at cornerback how things uh um, pan out between Josh Jackson, Kadar Holman, because you know the Packers are going to want to have five, six cornerbacks on this roster, certainly, when it's all said and done to head into week one. I think the thing that everybody's going to be watching on the defensive side of the ball is what is happening at the inside linebacker spot. Christian Kirksey is in. Blake Martinez obviously is out. That seems to be a, a rather uh, um, simple interchange, I guess. But then who is the guy that's going to be next to Christian Kirksey in certain packages? There's Oren Burks, there's Curtis Bolton, there's the new draft pick, Kamal Martin. Um, there's Ty Summers, a seventh round draft pick from a year ago. So there's a lot of competition there for that other inside linebacker spot. But then also, what does Mike Pettin want to do with packages? Does he want to have an extra defensive back playing that inside linebacker spot in sort of that, that dime look that he likes to go with. Maybe that's Will Redmond as a third safety, that kind of thing, Raven Green. So though, that's the spot I think that everybody's going to have their eye on on the defensive side of the ball, whereas a lot of the other spots on defense, there doesn't seem to have been you know a whole lot of question marks as to how the Packers are going to line up. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost like the additive inverse of the offense where <laughs> you look at the defense and you know you're going to have the Smiths playing over 70% of the playing time, even if they do cut their snaps a little bit this year. You know Kenny Clark's going to be playing a lot. Dean Lowry, they paid him last year to be a starter. Your boundary corners, your back safeties. So much of that stuff is solidified right now going into this camp, but it's those auxiliary pieces. It's the depth. It's the defensive line rotation. And as you pointed out, what I would consider to be that 11th man on defense. What do you do at inside linebacker? You know, you go back to that opener last year, Mike Raven green had a heck of a ball game. Yeah, and then the, fo the following week, he ends up aggravating that ankle injury again, doesn't play the rest of the season. So seeing exactly what you have in green is probably going to be the biggest indicator of how much we see that hybrid safety on the field. Will Redmond can play that position as well. But as you saw last year, when Redmond had to go in, it was Adrian Amos moving down into the box. And I think, especially in the second half of the season, while it was a very selfless move from Amos, they didn't sign him to be a hybrid linebacker. They signed him to right. be a strong safety, to be that, that commander on the back end. And they want to keep him in that role, especially if they end up being a little bit more flexible with how they use Darnell Savage now in year two. That's a guy that could potentially move into the box and he maybe even be a slot corner here and there. All those things have to be figured out and, and get a certain level of comfort in this training camp so that Mike Pettin can realize, okay, how much do I want to get Rashawn Gary on the field? How much can we trust Chandon Sullivan to be that nickel cornerback? Where are we going to shuffle out next to Christian Kirksey? Who's going to be that guy? You know, is it an inside linebacker? Is it a strong safety? Those are the type of things that I think over these next three, four, five weeks, the Packers have to get a real solid feeling for what they have because Mike, let's be honest, this is the year for the Packers defense. Offensively, you have Aaron Rodgers, you got Devontae Adams, you got, you know, you have Aaron Jones, you have all these guys that can make plays, but defensively, they've built this thing to be a team that can dominate on that side of the ball. They want to be a top 10 defense. They want to take the ball away. They want to be someone that a offense fears every time they play them. They're coming into their own. They're in their prime. And this is the year to do it. Yeah, well, 
The other interesting thing, of course, about this training camp, usually at this point, you and I have watched a handful of OTA practices. We've seen a rookie mini camp. We've seen a full squad mini camp. And all of these new faces in the locker room are guys that we've seen them at least run around in shorts and helmets on the field. So you and I have been asked a lot in Insider Inbox, okay, which rookie are you most looking forward to seeing for the first time? Because here we are the middle of August and we haven't seen these guys at all yet. So the Packers currently, I believe it's 22 rookies on the roster, nine draft picks, 13 undrafted rookies. Is there one guy that really is the one that you're most interested in seeing out there on the field in a Packer uniform for the first time? AJ freaking Dylan. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. The reason I say that, I didn't watch a lot of Boston College football games. Certainly, I didn't see them coming off the bus when they got to the stadium. But if I was BC, that's the guy I want coming off first. Yeah. I want him on the cameras. I want the other team to know we're going to have this guy and we're going to shove him down your throat for the next you know 60 minutes. That, now, that's not going to be his role right away. But Mike, when you see the way that AJ Dylan is built, He's just not like other guys. I mean, he is thick. He is full in his lower body, but he is lean in his upper body. There, there's so many different parallels and comparisons you can make. I'm not going to make them right now because that's not fair to a second round pick that has yet to carry a ball in practice, let alone in a game. But when they drafted him last year, and you watch some of the things that Larry put together uh, for his rock reports, and you get a chance to finally watch some of that film from BC, you can see why the Packers were so excited about this young man. Oh, and then by the way, he goes to Indianapolis and he runs a 4-5-3-40. He goes and puts up all those reps that he did on the bench. He had the vertical that he had. What was it, 40 inches, 39 inches? Something this like is that, just, yeah. This is a guy that is a difference maker. He was a guy that you could rely on. And so often, Mike, you think a guy's coming out of college, oh, they've touched the ball 700, 800 times. Is that a concern? With him, I really don't feel that way because you see how he takes care of his body. Jamal Williams is a phenomenal running back. He has been just a model employee here at Green Bay the last three seasons. But he's not built like that as a power back. Dylan brings a different dimension to that running game that nobody else possesses. And for that reason, it's the reason why all offseason, Mike, you were editing my stories. I was saying this is the most deep backfield that I can remember in 15, 16 years that Green Bay has had just because of the assets that they've invested into it and how all these guys can win in different ways. Yeah, I think Dylan is definitely one that uh, a lot of people are going to be watching. I, I'm just interested to see a 247-pound running back just what that looks like lining up in the in the backfield at five percent um, body fat yeah i know it, it he's uh he's a specimen for sure i think there's plenty to watch obviously with jordan love the first round pick at quarterback as well uh, you know as we've talked about he's in a really tough spot because uh the quarterback position is so difficult to play and then yet here you come in as a rookie and you don't get any snaps during an off-season program you don't get any OTAs you don't get any mini camp practices all he's been able to do is try to absorb the playbook through meetings and walkthroughs to this point until he takes the practice field on Saturday so just watching how he starts in his first practice on Saturday and then maybe where he is and how he looks at the end of these uh, three weeks of practices heading into week one I think I think will be a story I'll throw one other guy out there and I'm cheating a little bit because he's not a rookie he's technically a first year player because he played in the CFL and was a pretty big star in the CFL. And I'm talking about receiver Reggie Bagleton. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Now, 
as we've talked about with wide receiver, the Packers didn't draft anybody. The biggest offseason acquisition, Devin Funches, decided to opt out due to the coronavirus. So Bagleton is a guy, he put up some monster numbers in the CFL. And, you know, yeah, if, if those always translated, there'd be a ton of guys coming from the CFL to play in the NFL every year. It doesn't work that way. Just whether or not this guy really looks like he belongs in the NFL in what, as you talked about before, is a very wide open receiver competition behind the star Devontae Adams. I think that's, a, that's an interesting guy, an intriguing guy to watch here as these next few weeks unfold. And you know what I like the most about Bagleton? What intrigues me the most, Mike? You can say yes. Okay, sure. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Uh, what intrigues me the most about Bagleton is the fact that this isn't a guy that came through the NFL system and washed out and then went north. Right. This is a guy that never got an opportunity in the NFL system. And this happens every once in a while. It really kind of happened to Darius Shepard last year, although he did at least get a tryout. Bagleton didn't even get that coming out of Lamar. He had to go north and show that, you know what, I have the skills and everybody missed out on me. So when a guy that you've never really considered that has not been on a team, he there's no preseason film of him, goes up to Canada and has the production that he had. He, he checked every box, Mike. He had the receiving yards. He had the big plays. He had the touchdowns. He had the receptions. The guy just dominated at that level. That's a guy you want to learn a little bit more about. And I love the fact that he came down and accepted the challenge. There has been times, Mike, over the years, and I, I'm not going to name names, but there's been guys that have gotten some, some looks from the NFL and they just decide, you know what? I'm comfortable with where I'm at in the CFL. The seasons don't really align. I don't want to ruin what I have here for a long shot opportunity to go to the NFL. That's happened. Bagleton embraced this challenge. January came around. He was free to sign with an NFL team and he did so. So yeah, this is going to be an uphill battle for him because you're looking at a lot of draft picks. You're looking at guys like Alan Lazard that are established now. It's not really going to be advantageous for him just to come out and show right away. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, throw me the ball. But as we saw last year, Darius Shepard gradually did that. Lazard gradually did that. There are guys that can make their way at that position in practice to start getting some of those reps. That's going to be the key here. This opening week for Bagleton is going to be huge. I love his mindset. I love his backstory. And I love the fact that this is a guy that, despite everything he's been through, still feels like, you know what? People missed on me and that's just fine. I'm ready to show them and prove that I, I can really play in this league. Well, speaking of Canada, I'll throw out one other name as well, and that's the uh, the undrafted rookie, Mark Antoine Decoy. Now, this is a guy, he was drafted, a top 15 pick in the CFL. He decided to take an undrafted offer from the Packers to see if he can make an NFL roster. His story is something else, and I can't wait to see just you know, whether he looks like he belongs out there as well. He's, uh, he, he's going to be a fun one to pay attention to. I want to see how fast he runs too. We yeah. saw the 40 time uh, and certainly you did a great job of documenting his story and, and, you know, being overcoming the flu or wherever he was dealing with <laughs> to have the performance that he did at his pro day uh, in Montreal. But, you know, does that translate to an NFL field now? Six foot three. I mean, Mike, there's just Kenny, you know, Kevin King is one of them. There's just, God only made so many of those guys, that can be six three, six you know six two, and run that fast and be that fluid with their hips. Uh, Dequa has that, so um, it's going to be again uh, a wake up call competing at this level. Uh, there's just there's just a huge difference between playing in the you know yeah. Canadian college system and then coming down to the states. But they have time with this guy, and I think it's going to be really exciting. He's a little bit older, but at the same time, Mike, we've seen it time and time again. If guys can pick up the concepts 
they aren't that far away from being able to really show that they can, they can do something. Yeah. And this guy, Decoy, he was, he was running back interceptions for touchdowns in the college Canadian ranks. Like, you know, they were going out of style. So he, he really does have quite a story. It'll be, well, it, it'll be fun here these first few days. And let's be honest about one other thing, Mike, we are all blind to the undrafted rookies right now, even yep. to some extent, the Bagletons of the world that came in Haven't as street free agents. Wouldn't even recognize them if they walked past me in the parking lot. I have no idea who any of these guys are. Yeah. I mean, I was looking at Evan Siegel's photo gallery of the headshots. I didn't recognize a lot of these guys. So, no. but the thing is, is that there's been times either, whether it be through the off season program or the first week of training camp, guys start to show up a little bit. You start to notice them a little bit. Uh, so yeah, again, much like Bagleton, seeing what these undrafted rookies can do, how they can apply everything they learned during this virtual program uh, to an actual practice setting, especially some of that post-practice stuff that Matt Floor has been talking about wanting to do with the younger guys. It's all going to be critical. Every snap matters. And there has never been a training camp like this. There's never been practices like this. The stakes are so high. Well, it is finally here, Weston. We are almost headed out to the practice field. So with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and all of the goings on at training camp on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.